Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Uh, Thank you so much for gathering with us today as we're continuing in our series um, on the Holy Spirit. We're in week two. So if you weren't here last week for the kickoff of our series, John let it off. You can go to our Facebook page, Everyday Church, and you can catch that on Facebook. If you do happen to watch it, please like it and share it. We'd, we'd really appreciate that. Um, and so as we're continuing in our series today, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Um, we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Um, so right before we jump in, let's go ahead and pray, and let's ask the Lord to meet with us today and do what only he can do. Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing each and every person uh, to wake up this morning and to be able to come here and have the freedom to worship you and hear your word preached, Lord. I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that you would um, pour your spirit out in this place, Lord. Stir our hearts up. Um, give us desires and affections, Lord, for your, for your glory um, and, for, and for other people, God. Help us to love and share your glory to this world, Lord, as we're going to see in the text today. Lord, fill us as, as the disciples were filled, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you guys brought your Bible or if you're going to be turning in um, in your devices, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 1. So I'll go ahead and uh, read in the beginning of our text. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, wow. So, right here in the opening parts of our text, we see some pretty amazing yet strange things going on right here, right? It says that a sound like a mighty rushing wind from heaven is filling this room. And then there's these tongues of fires that are falling on these men. And so, with what we're seeing right here, I think it's important for us to go back into the Old Testament and ask, ask ourselves, how did God manifest his presence in the Old Testament, right? And let's see if we can find any connections, okay? So we, we see throughout the Old Testament that, that fire was associated with the presence of God time and time again, right? And that's what's happening here, right here in Acts. These tongues of fire are falling on these people. So, uh, for instance, in Exodus chapter 3, we see God um, reveals himself to Moses in the form of what? A burning bush, Okay? In Exodus 13, he's leading the Israelites out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. And by night, he leads them in, the pillar, in a pillar of a flame. He's literally giving them light to travel at night. Also, we see in Exodus 19, when God is giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, that the whole mountain is filled with smoke and fire. Again, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah is in the temple, and the, and the presence of the Lord has descended in the temple, and it's filled with with smoke and fire. Again, we can keep going on and on. In 1 Kings, uh, you see uh, the prophet Elijah against the 400 prophets of Baal, who's a false god. And they both set up altars, right? And they're trying to see who's the real god here. And, and, and the, the 400 prophets of Baal are calling out all day. They're cutting themselves. Baal, please come and consume our sacrifice. And and uh, Elijah's like, is he on vacation? Where's your God at? Where's he at? And Elijah's like, you know what? I'm going to show y'all who's the real God. Fill, fill my sacrifice and my altar up with water to the, to the very top. I'll show you, I'll show you who, who God really is. And so he prays, God, consume this. And it says the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the whole sacrifice. And what did the prophets of Baal say? They go, surely the Lord that you call on, surely he is God. 
right? And so it's so important for us to see the connection with God's presence being manifested in the Old Testament as fire to now in the New Testament when his presence is falling on these disciples, we see what? We see tongues of fire. Also, coming back to this mighty rushing wind, okay? This isn't like a little, a little gentle breeze. This isn't like, hey, babe, does my breath stink? No, like this is a blast. This is a blow of wind, a blasting wind that's filling this room. What's significant about that? Well, we know that in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, right? And he's like, look, we know you're a teacher from God because if you weren't, you couldn't be doing the miracles that you're doing. And Jesus is explaining this thing to him. He's like, look, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again, unless you receive the spirit. Nicodemus is like, dude, what are you talking about? And so Jesus goes into explaining to him, look, you gotta be born again, and it's of the spirit. And he says this in John 3, verse eight, to Nicodemus. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Again, so what are we seeing in the very opening parts of our text? We're seeing that this mighty rushing wind has filled the room and these tongues of fire are resting on these men. We can be reassured that this is the God of the Old Testament. This is the same God and he is being faithful to fulfill his promise of pouring out his spirit on on, uh, all people and starting with his disciples. And now, For me, as I was studying, what really stuck out to me is I was studying it, and I looked at chapter one, the chapter following chapter two, or before chapter two, and Jesus tells the disciples something very important. He says, um, in chapter one, he says, and while, it says, and while they were staying with them, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then again, in verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? So why do I I bring this up? Well, Jesus did not want to send these men to go and preach the gospel. He dare not send these men until they were filled with the key ingredient that they would need the Holy Spirit. He knew these men. He walked with these men for three years. He knew their tendencies to doubt. He knew their tendencies to be confused. At at times, they would be full of of much faith, and then at times, they would be lacking faith um, terribly, right? For some some of the instances that we see the disciples uh, doubting, right? Um, For instance, Peter's walking on water, and he sees Jesus, and all of a sudden, he he turns and loses faith, and he falls into the water, right? Again, in one, in one uh, instance, all of the disciples are in a boat together, and it says Jesus is sleeping in the stern. He's, he's sleeping, and the disciples are awake in this huge storm, and these winds and these waves are, I, I can just imagine. They're like, I mean, can you imagine what kind of boat they were in? It was probably, it was probably really small, and, and <laughs> these wind, the, the wind and the waves, and they're literally like, teacher, wake up. Don't you care if we die? And Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. Be still. He tells the winds and the waves to be still, right? And these disciples are like looking at each other like, who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? Like, hello, it's God, right? It's God. So we see time and time again um, that the disciples were doubting, that they were um, having things in mind that were of the world and not of of God. Again, Peter, uh, uh, another instance where uh, Jesus is telling the disciples, look, guys, 
I'm going to have to suffer some pretty harsh things. I'm going to have to suffer at the, at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes. And I'm going to have to die and be crucified, but I'm going I'm, I'm to raise this temple up in three days. And Peter's like, no, heck no. Far be it from you, Lord. That is not going to happen to you. I will not let that happen to you. Like, you are not going to die. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You know? Because why? Peter had the things of, of, of man in mind when Jesus was like, no, this is my purpose. I came to die for the world. Right. And so, again, my point in saying all all of this is that these men who we're talking about who are receiving the spirit at the beginning of our text. Right. Were men who were a part of Jesus's earthly ministry. Okay, who were taught by him personally, led by him. All right. They were led by him, instructed by God in the flesh. God in the flesh was their instructor, their guider, their example. Okay, And so we desperately need the spirit, right? So if these men who are walking with Jesus for three years watched him perform miracle after miracle after miracle are needing the spirit, how much more do you and I need the spirit? We are in desperate need of him. Can you please bring my, my little boy up here? Oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. This might actually be better. Come here, Papa. So he's sleeping. This is my little guy. His name's Spurgeon. Named him after Charles Spurgeon. Um, He's been a little sick lately, and he's a little tired. But I want to bring him up here just for a quick illustration to kind of show us how desperately we need the Holy Spirit, okay? So my son, he'll be one next week. He can't quite walk yet. He's almost there, okay? He can take a few steps and he'll fall down. But he's in desperate need of his mother and I, right? He He desperately needs us to feed him, to clothe him. Right, and when he sees me standing close to him, he'll he'll he trusts me, right, and he'll start to walk, and I can hold his hand. Okay, he needs us for his survival, for his thriving, and in much in 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 much a similar way, do we need the Holy Spirit? We're literally little. Look at us as little babies in the in 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 our faith with Christ. Okay, we are incapable of even taking a step by ourselves. We're incapable. I mean, these men saw Jesus do what he did, and they're still doubting. If we're honest, we're the same way. We are the same way, so we desperately need the Holy Spirit, even to a much greater degree than my own little boy needs me. Another, another illustration I can even show you. Right now, he's asleep, so I can't. But um, see his little bitty hands right here? His hand, look how little his hands are. They're so cute, but okay, okay. <laughs> but man, the I want to share this illustration with you. So it would be easier for this little guy with these little hands to lift up the entire world than it would be for you and I to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Easier for him to lift the world than for you and I to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Mm. Here's my baby. Again, so, we, so we're in desperate need of the Spirit, right? If these men who, were in the college, who studied in the college of Christ for three years needed him, we desperately, desperately need him. So now let's look at, let's look at the next part of our text. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 5 through 8 here. And we're, we're going to look at what happened once the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they're speaking in tongues. And... Our, um, and so let's go ahead and let's just jump into that. So uh, starting in verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Keep that in mind. And at this sound, the sound that we were just talking about, this howling wind, the multitude came together 
and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in, our, uh, each one in his own native language? So right here, as I was studying this, I was reading a, um, a verse exposition on Acts 2 by Charles Spurgeon this week. And something that I came across, something that I had never seen before, and it really stuck out to me. And I think it's going to help us um, see uh, it's going ele- to help elevate the power that these men are possessing, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to help us see that. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and share this quote that I, I, I read by Charles Spurgeon. It says, These men, so far from being able to speak many languages, could not by, by themselves speak even one correctly. The Galilean dialect was a base degradation of the true Jewish tongue, so that the Galileans were always the subject of sneers and scoffing on account of their mispronunciation. There are several stories in the old rabbinical writings all intended to ridicule the Galileans, yet these men have now been taught to speak their own language perfectly, and what was more marvelous still, languages that they had never heard now came pouring forth from their lips with the greatest fluency. How wide the range of those foreign tongues was, we learned from the following verses. So, man, that's amazing to me, right? Not only is it a miracle that these men are speaking in tongues and languages that they've never heard, but what magnifies this even more for me is that, that this power of the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And again, we see in our text that the crowd comes together, right? And the people are bewildered, and they're like, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? That's in the, that's in the text for a purpose, okay? It's they're like, these are the last people that we would ever expect to be speaking our language because they can't even speak their own correctly. They're literally made fun of by their own people because they can't even speak their own language correctly. They mispronounce things, right? So this is a miracle on a miracle that's happening with these disciples. How amazing is that, right? How amazing is it? these Galileans who can't speak their own language correctly or speaking their own language perfectly in other languages they've never heard perfectly. The people are bewildered, right? So what do we see here? The Holy Spirit empowered the disciples um, to, to give the first miracle as a gift to men from, from other nations, right? How amazing is that? And so we see here um, the heart of God, right, in, in his heart for all the people of the world. He planned to reveal the Holy Spirit during Pentecost for a reason. And so now I want to give us some background information as to what Pentecost actually was, okay? So Pentecost was one of three major annual feasts that were held every year, okay? It's an annual feast, and as a festival of thanksgiving for the harvest crops, okay? Um, And this particular Pentecost celebration was held during the summer months, so the travel for these men coming from other nations was the best that it was all year long, okay? That's another important factor that I thought was pretty special as I studied, because God knew he's going to pour his spirit out in a time where the most people could be there, right? Where, where, where men from all over the place are going to be coming, okay? So this, this is the heart of God for these people. And then also, I'll, I'll continue to elaborate on, on Pentecost a little bit. It says, um, during the celebration, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven had come to celebrate. So we see here that I think, um, I want to say that as I was studying, it said that there's probably about 1.4 to 1.5 million people here that are, that are in this place right here. So God is pouring out his spirit during a harvest celebration. How fitting is that, right? 
That's, that's so fitting. He did this because he knew that giving the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, as they're celebrating the harvest, right, the harvested crops, he knew that giving the Holy Spirit at this specific time would result in a worldwide harvest of new believers. That's what this is all about, okay? The first converts to Christianity, as we see in the, in, later in this chapter, um, it happened, and the church is born, okay? So now, let's look at how diverse this, this international crowd was. I think, I think it's amazing. It, it gives us all of these different nations for a reason, okay? So let's look at, uh, starting in verse 9, it says, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, oh, they're filled with new wine. So again, we see here that God's plan to pour out his spirit during Pentecost is very significant. He did it for a reason. He's declaring he loves all people already right here. He's already bringing the heart of the gospel in. He's saying every tribe, every nation, every tongue, I care about the world, okay? And so that is super significant for us to see. Again, just to reiterate this, guys, the first miracle that the disciples were allowed to perform uh, by the Holy Spirit was speaking in different tongues the proclamation of the mighty works of God for the benefit of others, okay? So what does that tell us? That tells us that God fills us with his Holy Spirit to be a blessing to others. That's what he does, okay? And also to the glory of God. That's why, we, that's why we get to receive the Holy Spirit. These tongues weren't given to these men so that they could pat themselves on the back and say, I'm an all-star. You're, you're JV. Look up to me, and I'm going to look down on you. I'm gonna fl- I can flip my on and off switch when I want to perform a miracle and play my game with, with this stuff. No, that is definitely not what's going on here. We see these men are no special men at all, right? They're, 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 there's nothing to really boast about with them. And even right here, these tongues were given to them again, not to pat themselves on the back, but the gift of tongues was giving to, given to them for the building up of others and ultimately for the salvation of these, of these men that would listen and these women and that would listen to what he's saying, right? That's what it was ultimately about. So the gift of the Spirit is so that we can be empowered to love others for their good and for God's glory as we share the gospel. And that's exactly what happens here, Okay. So regardless of race, regardless of language or background, we are called to reach these people. It doesn't matter. They might look different. They might sound different, but that's okay, right? God has a heart for all people, and that's what we're called to have. We're called to have a heart for all people, no matter their background, okay? So now that we've kind of looked at this international crowd, we've kind of seen the, the diverse crowd and, and, and all, the, all the different nations that, are, that have gathered it says that they were bewildered, right? So they were asking, like, what, what the heck is going on? Even some said, these men are drunk, right? So ultimately, what are they doing? They're asking for a natural explanation is what they're wanting. They're wanting a natural explanation. And what does Peter do? Peter stands up, and um, we'll go ahead and read it, starting in verse 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, 
This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So the first thing Paul does, or Peter does, excuse me, is he goes and refers to the Old Testament. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's what's happening right here. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and, you will prof- and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he goes in, he stands up, he's like, look, no one's drunk. What's happened here is actually being, a part of this is being fulfilled, all right? God has been, is pouring out his spirit. Like, don't, don't be shocked by this, right? This is promised. This is, what, this is what's happening. And then after that, he goes into preaching the first gospel sermon, okay, that had ever been preached. And what I think is very interesting, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, but Peter had denied Jesus three times before his crucifixion. Everyone remembers that, right? Like, I don't know him. You belong to, you, I know you, you've been, you follow Jesus, you're a part, no, 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 I don't know him. Again, hey, aren't you the, I've, I've seen you with him, I, I've, no, 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 I promise, I, I'm not, I don't know him. Guys, this happened 50 days before the day of Pentecost, not even two months, and Peter's like, that, he's, I can only imagine Peter might be 100 to 200 yards away from Jesus, 200 feet, and he's like, he's standing right there, and he's like, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Okay, and what's what's another huge thing to me as I was reading this is I can only imagine that some of the people that that um, that were there as he was denying Jesus are now here, listening to him. Just fifty days later, I'm sure they're probably like, "What's going on?" Just you were just telling us not even two months ago that you didn't even know him. Now he and then it's also important to note Jesus had ascended into heaven ten days before this day, so Jesus is gone. He's not here anymore, and yet Peter stands up in boldness. What's going on? The power of the Holy Spirit has filled this man, okay? How amazing is that? He goes from being a coward to being full of power and boldness and preaching the gospel of Christ. I won't go into it, but he goes in and he's like, look, God has made this Christ, or made Jesus both Lord and Christ. And he tells them, look, you, along with other men, delivered him up to be crucified. So now he was cowarding away from, from these men, not even knowing him, to now he's like, you did this. You, like his blood is basically on your hands. Like you were a part of, of, of his death, but it's okay because God, um, God had planned this to his foreknowledge, right? He had planned this Christ to be the savior of the world. And so again, we see Peter is being emboldened by the, by the spirit. He's being empowered by the spirit. So 50 days ago, he doesn't, he doesn't know Jesus, right? Even though he does, he's seen him do these crazy things to now Jesus is gone. He's not even there anymore, okay? And he's been filled with power that he would never possess on his own, that it would be impossible for him to possess on his own. Even when he was walking with God in the flesh, he didn't have this. Now he's gone, and now he's being filled with power that he would never have otherwise, right? So we see here that one of the main works, I would argue it's probably one of the, the, the main work of the Spirit is to make much of Jesus in our lives, that's what he does. That's what he does, okay? How, how amazing is this gift, okay? It, it's, it's a gift. God, God gives us the gift of the Spirit through faith, and we see how important it is, right? Through, through this instance with Peter right here, he preaches the truth of the gospel, and what does it result in? 
He's filled with the, the, the spirit of God. He preaches the gospel. And what does it result in? It results in the birth of the church. That's what it results in. It results in 3,000 people coming to know Jesus that day. Did Peter do that? No, 50 days ago, he was scared. But he had been filled with power from heaven that he had never felt before. And the spirit added 3,000 men that day. How amazing is that? So kind of to recap what, what we've talked about so far, we're in desperate need of God and his spirit, right? This, this was God's doing. We see the connections through the Old Testament, the fire and the wind, and, and we desperately need this, right? If, this, if we saw if the disciples needed it who walked with him, how much more do we, okay? Now, we, and then we also talked about how the spirit empowers us to go on mission, okay? For the good of others and for the glory of God. And then lastly, we see here what it does to Peter, and it's gonna do for us. It fills us with a heavenly boldness, and, it can, and he continuously makes much of Jesus in our lives. Even when we tend to wander, and even when we t- tend to go to and fro, and we tend to doubt, even in the tough times, the Spirit always brings us back to Jesus. The Spirit always makes much of Jesus. Even in our religious bouts, when we want to pat ourselves on the back and feel good about ourselves, the Spirit reminds us, hey, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about what God and Christ has done for you and what I'm doing through you. And it's a gift, man. It's a great gift. So to kind of wrap up, I want you to kind of, I saw this illustration earlier this week as I was studying uh, from David Platt. And um, I want you to just kind of picture with me, if you will, four uh, Tupperwares up here, okay? So you got, and and they're all kind of different sizes, um, but that's just for the sake of the illustration. So he brought up the the first one, and it it was pretty small. And he drew a little, a little stick figure on there, right? And so it's like, this is you, right? So imagine just a little Tupperware or a little plastic bin. Then he grabs the next big one. He sets you inside the big one, and he writes Holy Spirit on the outside of that one, right? And then he closes the lid. So it's you, and now the Holy, you're in the Holy Spirit, okay? Then he grabs the next one. He writes Jesus on it, puts you and the Holy Spirit inside. Jesus closes the lid, gets the big lid, grabs it, it says, God, the Father, right? Well, it's God, God the Father on it, puts, puts it all in there, right? And so it's like you're seeing this clear picture of who we really are in the Spirit, who we really are in Christ, because that's what it says. It says that our life is now hidden with God in Christ, or hidden with Christ in God, excuse me. And so we know that by faith, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And so that's what happens. We're by ourselves, we're filled with the Spirit, then we have Jesus, our life is hidden with him, and then it's in God, okay? So if anybody wants to try to come against us, if Satan, the world, ourselves, the first person that they have to deal with is God. We're covered, okay? And so what I, the, the, the reason I say that is I don't want us to feel like we have to earn this gift or to try to feel like we need to keep it and muster up a lot of strength and do really good. No, guys, look at these men we just looked at. They walked with Jesus, denied him, did all kinds of crazy stuff, and yet they, they were filled with the power of the Spirit, okay? You don't have to earn this. Once you believe and you receive the power of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, you are sealed. Ephesians 1 says you are sealed. It's a, a, a guarantee of your inheritance that's to come, a guarantee. That's the work of God, guys. Like, it's all on him. That's the beauty of Christianity, right? It's the only religion in the world, and it's that, that, that God sets the table for us where we don't set the table for him. And he does all of this for us. All we have to do is yield ourselves 
Be faithful in preaching the gospel and allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit can only do, okay? And again, um, at the end of this chapter, he preaches the gospel. These men are cut to the heart, and they're like, what must we do, brothers? What must we do? Peter says, repent and believe and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's like, what? Repent and believe and be baptized? It's like, then I receive the Spirit. I don't, you're telling me I don't have to go, like, run a marathon, or I don't have to, like, like you know, do these 10 steps in the first year and pass this test and, and be really strong and show myself and prove my... No, you don't. You repent, and all repent, repentances is a turning, from, a, a turning into a new way, okay? It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it now means instead of chasing after sin, I'm going to chase after Jesus. And I know that sin is going to be creeping up on me, but I have the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to lead me to Jesus. It's going to bring me home to Jesus. Even though I might fail on the way, just like some of these men did, I will still make my destination. I will still reach my destination because I have the Spirit. I've been sealed, and I've been guaranteed an inheritance. How great is that? Um, so as I wrap this up, I just, I just want to make it, <clears throat> make it known that we need the Spirit. That's, that's my main thing. We need the Spirit. We desperately, every day, need to be asking him to fill us, to guide us, to lead us, to change us, to sanctify us, to make much of Jesus, to give us boldness, to give us a love and a heart for people. Because sometimes, if I'm honest, I tend to be really selfish. I tend to be very, very selfish. But, this, when I, but there, there's been times where I've, I've prayed, I'm like, Spirit, like, my heart is hard right now towards somebody or towards these people. Help me. And, the, and just something happens, and I'm like, that's not of me. I know that's not of me. So the Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. We just have to ask. You know, Jesus says, you don't have because you don't ask. We've got to ask to be filled. And he is willing, and he is ready to fill us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for this morning and for the opportunity to come and share your word. God, I just pray that, um, that we would be able to take this with us um, throughout this week and throughout the rest of our lives, Lord, and just be able to trust you to, able to, to be able to yield ourselves to the working and the power and the gifts of your spirit. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you give us all of this freely and that um, our salvation rests in Christ alone in his finished word. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for these people that are here. God, I pray that you would fill each and every one of them, um, embolden them for mission, God, and, and give them a heavenly boldness that, that um, only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.